mystery in five songs with host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again. Welcome back to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this fast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. This is episode 234. I'm calling this They Shrunk the Boogie! Exclamation mark. Um, so yeah, I think this is a this is a pretty cool idea. I mean, I've always felt this about these bands, but this is called History in Five Songs, and I thought, oh, this kind of is a trend. Are there five bands I can talk about like this? Um, and uh, it turns out there are. So the idea here, um, maybe I won't get too far into it because uh, everybody's got a slightly different story, but the idea here is um, bands that... Uh, played boogie music see this is the other fun thing about this episode you get to hear me say boogie instead of boogie um you know apparently when i go on sea of tranquility i get a lot of heck for that um that's not how you're supposed to say it apparently this may be a canadian thing i don't know but uh the idea here is uh bands that uh played or have as part of their thing uh kind of like a like a boogie rock thing um you know, sped up blues, heavy blues rock, heavy, fast blues rock, boogie, Chuck Berry, whatever you want to call it. They're all a little bit different here. Um, but they had this, and for some reason, it shrunk. And we're going to talk about the ways uh, it shrunk for all these bands and why it might have shrunk and what some of the influences might have been that sent it that way. So let's get cracking here. Uh, take a listen to this. This is the Rolling Stones with She's So Cold. Okay, so the Rolling Stones. Uh, definitely, I think this is a great example of this. Um, I think the shrinking of the boogie starts at uh, black and blue. Um, it accelerates uh, through some girls. It's definitely, definitely there. Um, you know, we're right in the middle of it with uh, the album that this song is from, Emotional Rescue 1980. Uh, it's still there to an extent in Tattoo You. Uh, and then it starts it starts to wane, and I'll, I'll describe in a minute. So what do I mean by Shrunk the Boogie? So um, it's not that they did less boogie. Um, it's that it got smaller and more intimate kind of thing. So so the Stones, I think it, it kind of picks up. Okay, so in the 60s, um, you know, you only got those recording values. Everything's pretty conservative. You, you essentially, the Stones in the 60s, not exactly an exciting proposition, right? I think things sort of pick up. Um, you go past the, uh, the Psych album, which I totally like. Um, but, um, you know, Into Beggar's Banquet, uh, Let It Bleed and Sticky Fingers are kind of a group to me where, 
Um, they're they're kind of a hard rock band. They're kind of a, a mildly hard rocking band for uh, you know this '69 into '71 period. We know Exile's a little bit of an outlier as well. It's a little more folksy and Americana, um, but it's still got some rocking on it. I think people kind of forget that it does, but. Um, I think I think the unshrunk version of the Rolling Stones being a boogie band um, are are across goat's head soup and it's only rock and roll. So the idea here is that in the 70s, the Stones are essentially trying to record as well as possible kind of thing. Um, they're expensive enough sounding recordings. They're they're not they're not trying to do a specific thing in terms of production uh, in being raw or simple or punky because that's kind of what happens. I think uh, as we move into Black and Blue, Black and Blue is still a gorgeous sounding Stones album, but they're starting to be a, a very spare with the arrangements. Uh, there's it's almost like the songs are even more about the drums and less about other things. Um, you know, Mick is starting to kind of get scatty and sing high and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the guitars, yeah, kind of palm muted, smaller guitar lines. Uh, and then that really picks up into into some girls. So why why did the Rolling Stones shrink the boogie? I think I think the main influences on the Stones are are the kind of the New York clubbing scene. Um, disco with the chicken chicken scratch guitar. New wave, being excited by uh, a new wave and trying to stay young and trying to stay into that. So they're going out to clubs and stuff in New York. Um, and, uh, and I think this is affecting their sound. They want to stay vital. And I think the way they want to stay vital is not look like a massive corporation. I think that's kind of what you get on some girls. It's a very, it's a very casual album. You look at Shattered. Shattered is a perfect example of them shrinking the boogie. So they almost, it's almost as if they're, um, you know, I've said this about Rush during the keyboard era, uh, and I feel it, it absolutely makes sense, uh, for the Stones on Some Girls and Emotional Rescue, this idea of it sounds like the band is playing in a matchbox right that sort of idea and she's so cold is a perfect example of, of this as well i wanted to make sure that i was actually using a boogie rock so, uh, song uh, to illustrate this point and that's why i wanted to pick she's so cold uh but yeah there there's some of that across some girls uh and and emotional rescue uh and then tattoo you i feel like um I feel like they start to expand a little bit again. Something about that album just sounds, even though we know it's uh, it's recorded all over the years and it's kind of a, like a leftovers leftovers e album. Uh, you know, frankly, there's there's maybe an episode there. Um, I thought of this at one point. Uh, how good some of these leftovers albums are because uh, you know, widely widely considered, Tattoo You is is one of the great Stones albums, but also Physical Graffiti is one of the great Zeppelin albums, and it's a little bit like that too. Too, right um so kind of interesting um but i think what happens is undercover and dirty work feel like a little bit of a pair to me as well where there's still a combative quality this combative small quality that i think frankly i i think over over the course of undercover and dirty work you're almost closer to a some girls and emotional rescue than tatsu you but i think starting with steel steel wheels they essentially go back to a goat's head soup it's only rock and roll kind of idea where 
they, they kind of want to use the studio to the to the full. They want they want tracks of per, per, um, percussion. They want uh, guest stars. They want studio musicians. Uh, so that kind of stuff. It, it starts to feel like they're they're kind of a high fidelity band again, and kind of frankly a stadium rock band again, and kind of a corporate band again. So I, I'm not belying that. I'm not saying that's a bad idea. Um, I'm just saying that they start to get sort of serious and ambitious again and, and probably realizing, wow, we don't make records that fast. Um, we should maybe do a good job on them when we do. Um, so I think you get that throughout the whole rest of the catalog. Voodoo Lounge, Bridges to Babylon are, are quite lush. A Bigger Bang, same thing. Hackney Diamonds, we know that's got a lot of production on it as well. I've got a notorious uh, Contrarians episode uh, on that where I was a little negative on um, you know the, the, the whole Andrew Watts situation there. Uh, but yeah, I, I think... I think uh, there's there's a definite trend that starts with Steel Wheels. So that's your example of the Rolling Stones shrinking the boogie. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. All right, back again here on History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 234, They Shrunk the Boogie, exclamation mark. Uh, take a listen to this. This is Status Quo with Jam Side Down. I got a
Okay, so this is a perfect, perfect example of this as well. Um, and I think there's different motivations here of why status quo shrunk the boogie. But obviously, I think I think status quo is the greatest boogie band of all time. Man, I think of um, Down Down and Little Lady and uh, um, oh, Backwater, Just Take Me, the massiveness, slow train, uh, Big Fat Mama paper plane they they do these amazingly huge sounding guitar charged incredibly energetic um some of my my favorite music of of all time is uh is that whole backwater just take me thing so status quo in the 70s they were they were probably the most heavy metal example of a boogie band and they did it magnificently on quo and uh hello and on the level in those records pile driver right the classic the fearsome what are they called the frantic four um uh albums the classic lineup so what happens though is uh you start moving through um status quo status quo a little bit of confusion there with quo 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 is is my favorite status quo album but status quo and into rocking all over the world and now it really begins um so what they do, uh, this is this whole idea where I've often called this shrunk the boogie thing origami or origami boogie, right? So they start getting kind of like like trite and poppy and they go against the supercharged guitars and start sounding, again, smallish, right? But But it's kind of like hooky and poppy and kind of novelty rocking you think of in the army now uh, all those records all through the early 80s uh, are not ones people any thinks are, are the favorites i mean look how fast they come you got if you can't stand the heat 78 whatever you want 79 just suppose an 80 never too late 81 1982 and 1982 back to back 1983 that's a massive run of all these records that nobody really remembers any songs from now granted in the uk they're still having you know they're one or two hit singles and they're doing okay and all that kind of stuff um but uh but yeah and then it just continues on with more faceless records nobody remembers in the army well that that had the big hit ain't complaining perfect remedy rock till you draw so i come on board uh as as knowing status quo uh thankfully um you know we've lost the great rick parfit but they came to they came to toronto i saw them twice in toronto and as we started up with the magazine brave words and blade knuckles i was even getting to interview them so i've interviewed them a few times i love chat talking to francis um so they had a bit of a i don't know even if you would call this a, a career revival but as things pick up through you know thirsty work don't stop the covers album under or under the influence that whole era there but certainly um heavy traffic which is what this song is from i wanted to pick a song from heavy traffic so this is 2002 and i remember you know being pretty into in search of the fourth chord as well but yeah they kept making lots and lots of records through this period so i almost feel like they have two periods of they shrunk the boogie and they're kind of similar really there's not a big difference between that early 80s stuff and this 90s and 2000s stuff uh in particular so um again jam side down it's just a later track on this album that nobody knows about um but i wanted to pick a song that actually demonstrates this that it is still boogie but again what they do is um is even the productions don't seem like they're thinking in a heavy metal way. So even the productions is undermining this uh, this heft and levity that they had uh, in the old days with with this boogie thing. Now, why do they do it? So um, I almost feel like with Quo, the reasons are number one. There's uh, there's you know you you talk about the blues having 
having rules. Well, boogie is a subset of the blues, and it's even it's even got tighter parameters, right? So there's not too many ways to do this. I mean, people joke about status quo and 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 the boogie. It's like how many ways can you possibly do this, right? So they have heavy metal songs, they have experimental songs, they have ballads, but the core of it was this boogie thing. So number one, you run out of ways to do it. So so you end up origami boogie. So you you bring it, you take out your Texas Instruments calculator or your slide rule or your abacus and you try to figure out new ways uh, how possibly can we write a boogie song right and and that might lead you to pop it might lead you to kind of like weird chord changes and like uh, like or or boogie boogie for this part but not for this part i mean that's that's a standard thing as well when people get bored of boogie they they start mixing it in with heavy metal you know i did a whole episode called the ab switch right um which was looking at things like cat, Stra- cat scratch fever or strutter, how half of it's boogie and half of it's not. The verses are boogie, the choruses are heavy metal, right? So, so you do that as well. So, I think status quo. Why do they do this? Um, it's a to do something different, different slash boredom. And um, I wonder if there's a little bit of an influence from seeing the Stones do this, right? Because status quo is kind of a doppelganger of the Stones. They're both UK bands. Um, But also, I think a big thing here is um, they're also drawing from the same reason as the Stones. They're looking around at uh, at what punk rock is doing. Now, status quo doesn't do anything particularly punk rock. Neither does the Stones. But it's more like pub rock. And, uh, and specifically that whole, that whole rock pile Dave Edmonds sort of thing, right? Um, you know, we also know there's a rock and roll revival in the late 70s as well with, uh, with the likes of Sha Na Na and Grease and American Graffiti and those kinds of things, right? Um, so that's happening. Um, but I really think, um, I really think uh, you know one of the main connectives here is status quo is looking at the likes of uh, maybe not so much Doctor Feelgood or Eddie and the Hot Rods, but definitely like a rock pile Dave Edmonds, Nick Lowe situation, and saying, "Oh, those you know kids think those guys are actually pretty cool." You know, maybe you know we we started with this, we we built this whole thing. Why don't we be a little bit that way? So I think that's uh, that's their situation. Um, I think they're looking around and seeing the likes of uh, Slade having to change. Um, I think they're also looking at this idea of finally giving up on trying to break America. It never broke for them, but they had a great career over in the UK. So I think they're kind of giving giving up on that. Um, and I wanted to mention another UK term that you always see in reviews, which is kind of funny. This idea of knees up music, right? Um, so people think of uh, status quo that way in the 70s, um, and they think of they certainly think of Slade that way and possibly Sweet. So a little bit into the glam thing, but. I honest, honestly think when status quo goes to this this pop boogie sort of guys, um, it's almost like a different version of Knees Up. It's a little more giddy. It's a little more poppy. It's a little more boy bandy. It's a little more girly. Um, and so it, it's, uh, it's novelty is, is essentially what it is. It, it's hummable, weird, kind of funny, amusing radio rock songs. And I think you really get that attitude uh, in, these, in these status quo albums. Um, like I say, I'm kind of into these ones where I, well, you know, maybe I'm mixing the fond memory of, of getting to interview them and see them and, and that kind of stuff. But yeah, quid quid pro quo and and definitely like I say, heavy traffic uh, meant a fair bit to me in In Search of the Lost Chord, which is 2007. Quid pro quo is uh, 2011. But man, I I was completely checked out 
and maybe I shouldn't shouldn't have been compared to you know or logically speaking compared to all these super later years but yeah that whole that whole early 80s spate of albums I was uh, pretty much checked out on okay let's move on to our third selection take a listen to this this is Foghat with Too Late the Hero Okay, so uh, Foghat definitely shrunk the boogie. It's almost like an absolute, um, you know, blueprint uh, or doppelganger of the status quo situation. Uh, in in on all counts, I mean, basically Foghat was this strident, big boogie rock sound with honey hush and slow ride and and you know night shift drive driving wheel. Um, so yeah, all those classic, classic era Foghat albums. Uh, what do we got? We got Foghat. We got rock and roll. We got Energize. We got rock and roll outlaws. What else? Fool for the City, Night Shift, Stone Blue, uh, Boogie, Motel. I think it's Motel, right? Um, so that whole run is kind of considered the the classic Foghat years. My favorite is Night Shift. My second favorite is Fool for the City. So you got your 75 album, your 76 album. Uh, and they're essentially a... Um, a loud rock and heavy boogie band. Um, I think the the production they get with the most levity and the most heft is "Fool for the City." Uh, Nick Jameson is in the band. Um, you know, you, you know, personified mo- more than anything by "Slow Ride." That is a big, heavy rock and song. It's kind of a boogie rock song, uh, but it's a slower one. Um, but yeah, so they are they are doing those '70s things. It's similar to Quo. It's kind of similar to the Stones, where they're trying to sound as powerful and as big as possible. Um, and uh, and they do a good job of it. Super distortion on get on the guitars. Um, yeah, you think a wild wild cherry honey hush. Like I say, honey hush is that weird. It's essentially train kept a rolling right um yeah th- th- that's a whole story i think i went into that story before about how well, how do you how do you sort out this uh songwriting credits on something like that but yeah i just want to make love to you as a big heavy you know cover um so yeah they're they're this big heavy 70s bands they're a hard rock band uh in the 70s um but you get to the 80s, so this song we just played is from Tight Shoes, and again, I wanted to play something that actually has Boogie to it. We're up to 1980, the ninth album. Um, it's it's the same lineup. It's still the classic lineup. They wrote them all. Uh, this is Dave, Dave Peverett, the leader of the bands, writing pretty much everything. Uh, and then they move into... Um, Three, three, uh, three more like this. So they have four albums that are like this, and Boogie Motel's even like this. But they're actually produced by Nick Jameson, which is a little surprising because they go for sort of a dry, tight, lacking bass, lacking distortion on the guitars, sort of new wave sound. So this is this is where I want to introduce this thing where where. It's not you know status quo is in uh, influenced by the pub rock end of. I guess you you want to still call it new wave. We've done a whole episode on this. You know what is new wave thing? New wave is an American thing, as far as I'm concerned, uh, or a term uh, rather than you know you use post punk over there. 
or pub rock when we're talking about what we're talking about here. But I think Foghat is a little more influenced by the likes of the Cars, the Romantics, the Knack, so that new wave style, and probably a little bit, they, they still remember their UK roots, so I think they are still uh, thinking Dave Edmonds' rock pile, because those albums, frankly, actually did make a, a little bit of a dent in America as well. So they're inspired by that, and I think with Foghat as well, they're maybe inspired a little bit more... Um, uh, by their childhood. So going back, not not what they did in the 70s, but going all the way back before that to their childhood and thinking about early rock and roll again, maybe they're, maybe they're uh, a little bit influenced by the, the big rock and roll revival and the massive, massive hit that was Greece and like I mentioned, Sha Na Na and, and American Graffiti as well, but Greece was massive, right? Um, but, uh, you know, back, uh, you think of early rock and roll for, for Britain, and they use that word skiffle. They use that term skiffle. Um, you know, there's the famous Jimmy Page playing skiffle as a kid, right? Um, uh, video that you see on YouTube. So uh, I think you get all of that smallness going on here. And when I think of skiffle and when I think of early rock and roll, you also think during this era. So as, as Foghat moves forward, we get into girls to chat and boys to bounce um, and so the line up here this is where you get Eric Cartwright in on lead guitar backing vocals he's an occasional writer it almost reminds me of the John Brandt cheap trick era right um, and then you move into in the mood for something rude October 1882 all outside writers pretty bizarre and then you've got zigzag walk uh, May 11th 83 they wrote six out of the ten on here so this is Dave Eric Cartwright, Eli Jenkins on bass, and Roger Earl, the perennial, the great Roger Earl on drums. So you, so Foghead gives us four albums like this, exactly when Status Quo is doing the exact same kind of thing. And then Foghat's gone. Um, they're, they're broken up until we get to uh, Last of the Boogeymen, or Return of the Boogeymen, sorry, 1994. That's when I got to interview the late uh, the late and great Dave Peverett. He, sadly, we lost him to cancer not long after. Um but and and frankly, Foghat remains a small band uh, or or a sh- a shrunken boogie band uh, because they have they have decided to do a lot of covers and when they write, they decide to be almost more of a blues band. They've Roger has taken that band almost back to their Savoy Brown roots, um, and I'm not a big fan of the latest album either. Um, I want Foghat to be that hard rock and heavy metal band that pleased an angry young metalhead like me in the 70s uh, kind of thing. Um, so there you go. Oh, yeah, right. I was getting to this point. So the other thing that I think uh, might influence a band like Foghat is um, is this whole idea of, uh, you know, there's a mild little bit of a rockabilly revival that comes from the likes of um, Crazy Little Thing uh, Called Love, Queen, you know, off of the bit, big hit album The Game. We've got the Honey Drippers. Um, you know, the little super group doing the EP of essentially rockabilly, and we've got a massive rockabilly band in the Stray Cats. So there's a little bit of that going on. So I think they're looking at that as well. They're looking at New Wave. They're looking at boredom too. They're they're bored um, uh, doing the same thing over again. And like I say, origami blues, you get bored. Uh, or origami boogie, you get bored uh, with the fact that there's only there's only uh, you know as as, uh, as Sammy Hager would say, there's only one way to rock, right? Uh, there's there's only a couple ways to do boogie music, so um, they have to find something new. Uh, so they're moving with the times, right? Um, there's possibly the idea that you know the the record sales are going going down. We've got you know there's a bit of panic sets in. What do we do, kind of thing. Um, 
All right, so our next band that shrunk the boogie, take a listen to this. This is ACDC with some Got Some Rock and Roll Thunder. Okay, so this is from the Rocker Bust album, 2014. I do not like this album. I like Black Ice, and I don't think the Boogie's particularly shrunken on Black Ice either. Um, but um, they definitely shrink the Boogie on this album. They shrink the Boogie on Ball Breaker, 1995, and on Stiff Upper Lip, 2000. Um, and I think it's kind of shrunken on on Power Up, but for a, for a different reason that I'll get to. So, again... ACDC, people joke about them. How do, how can you possibly keep making the same song over and over and over again? Well, they managed to, and they managed to do a great job of it, and they're a massive band. But it was generally a pretty heavy rockin' band um, all the way up through uh, the Razor's Edge. And then I, 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 I figured that they started to uh, get quieter. The productions got quieter. They, they got smaller. Um, they, they, the guitars got cleaner. They took off a little distortion on the guitar. There was a little more palm muting. And, and you started to see with Ball Breaker that origami boogie thing. Like how many different ways can we do this? And they started turning in some arcane, sweet and sour sort of songs. And I think this Got Some Rock and Roll Thunder completely shows that. Um, I call this their line dancing album. And this is definitely a song that sounds like line dancing. You think of that goofy looking country line dancing thing. And and, and that title is so bad. Got some rock ampersand roll thunder. It's like they're just mixing up all their words together, word salad of uh, all the ACDC tropes, and they make this song that doesn't rock very much, right? Um, so you definitely hear this, you know, things get more relaxed, they get more mid-paced. Um, so why does ACDC do it? So um, we went over a few things. Boredom, uh, you can only do the same thing over and over again so much. I think with ACDC, um, and this is this feels different than these other bands, I think they just got older. I think they got older and they slowed down. Um, and so you get this sort of slower, more relaxed armchair, uh, you know, sitting on the porch uh, version of, of ACDC. Again, uh, it, it's all mixed in with going back to your roots, going back to the music they loved as as kids, the Rolling Stones themselves, Chuck Berry, that kind of thing. Um, and I just wanted to mention Power Up. I think on Power Up, you get you get kind of a Black Ice collection of songs, so they're closer to kind of heavy metal songs. But again, Brendan O'Brien, who 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 produces all these last albums, I think he's starting starting to do way way too polite on these guys. Uh, I think they need to turn it up again. They need to do that thing they did uh, when they did Let There Be Rock, and they really amped everything up, and they go, wow, we can be a powerful band. They've lost that power. I think they kind of had it on Black Ice, but they, they lost it again um, on Rocker Bust and Power Up. I don't think they're particularly powerful sounding albums. So yeah, ACDC, perfect example of a band that shrunk the boogie. Um, I think uh, I think basically people generally don't like most of these albums because they just find them too they they find them too too light and too corporate and you and the whole idea is it sounds like their brains are not wired for heavy metal. Um, all right, let's move on. This is our fifth selection and last. This is the Black Crows with Ozone Mama. The bug the bitch, y'all to make it itch, y'all. 
Okay, so this is from Lions. Um, Lions is 2001. So the reason I wanted to put Black Crows in here is quite different from the other ones. So again, I feel like across um, Shake Your Moneymaker, 1995 times platinum. Uh, Southern Harmony Musical Companion, 1992, two times platinum. Amorica, 1994 gold. So I think across these three albums, they are a world-beating band. They are They are like a almost like an arena rock sort of band. Not really. I mean, when you listen to the records, it's almost like it just turned out that way because everybody was super excited about the Black Crows. They were the saviors of rock and roll. They were they were the real thing. Uh, this great bluesy faces, humble pie, Rolling Stones kind of band, but also a little bit of hair metal, uh, you know, amplification to them. So I think they're a big band is what I'm saying. They're a big band and they're definitely a boogie band across these albums. What they do... And I don't belie them for this. I don't put them down for this. I think it's a great idea. But I think they shrunk the boogie by um, being bored with that and wanting to break more rules. So they become kind of like a Grateful Dead jam band, a little bit of an Allman Brothers band. But I think what happens uh, beginning and accelerating with Three Snakes and One Charm, you even hear it in that in that weird title, right? Uh, and then By Your Side, another weird title. Uh, Lions, War Paint, Before the Frost, Until the Freeze, weird, weird title. So I think what happens is they kind of lose their minds a little bit, right? Um, you know, you've got you've got this, uh, you know, fab- famous war between uh, Chris and... and um, and what's oh I'm I'm forgetting the other guy's names Chris Robinson and uh, anyways whatever the other guy is um, is it Ross no uh, anyways um, so these guys um, you know the famous brothers duel uh, but you also get. Uh, the other guys as well. And there's there's the other Black Crow that wrote the amazing, considered one of the great rock bios. But let's not dwell on that too much. I think the main thing here is, so yeah, a lot of tension in the band, but I think the main thing here is this band really gets super creative and wants to spread their wings and uh, just become a completely universal band that can do anything and they do do anything. They they turn in so many different song styles across these albums. They, they become even more of an Americana band, even more of a funk band, even more of a blues band, more of a ballad band, more of a jam band. Um, so essentially their parameters widen and this is the way they shrink the boogie. It's almost like they shrink away from the boogie. Um, and uh, and uh, just become this uh, this great general band doing this stuff that frankly is less commercial and obviously uh, everything drops off because Southern Harmony and Musical Companion goes double platinum America Morica gold and they never certify again. Granted, they they start spreading things out. They're half broken up. They're doing solo albums, weird projects. They do the Jimmy Page live album thing. Um, so they become almost they do kind of what Pearl Jam does and become this uh, this interesting version of a. Um, of almost like a, a huge cult band, right? Um, so there you go. That's uh, that's our last one. That's how Black Crows shrunk the boogie. I thought this was a pretty cool episode with uh, with this theme. Honorable mentions. I thought of you know, does ZZ Top shrink the boogie? They they like add technology to their boogie, right? So that's how they do it. BTO kind of goes pop. They kind of turn into an April Wine sort of band. So they take their heavy stuff from earlier, which has a fair bit of rootsy rock in it, and they get a little uh, that way. Southern 
rock do they shrink the boogie sort of they do they they you know there's that whole trend with them going aor i think i might have done an entire episode on that the angels uh you know thinking of the acdc family they don't particularly change rose tattoo does um rose tattoo kind of shrinks the boogie um even on scarred for life they get a little more poppy and then they get really away from it for on like beats from a single drum which is all keyboardy and straight pop sort of thing so you know there weren't a lot of other examples but i thought i'd mention those that they kind of fit in in different ways i thought that was kind of cool um so there you go if you like the show and want to support future episodes please go to ko-fi.com slash mark and pop off hit that red support button buy me a coffee or a pint this week i want would like to thank joe bett who i just had the pleasure of um even already this morning we did a panel for the contrarians on saxon uh crusader and joe was part of that so that was really cool uh, andy at black sugar transmission lee clifford john folkers very generous take a long break uh john dallas hodgson uh reader of my books from the very early days monty olson and steve polari thank you very very faithfully always on board you guys um, very cool. Uh, you can get my books at martinpopoff.com. Uh, there's been a lot of out of stock, but I've got them back in. Um, I've got flaming telepaths back in. Uh, that thing just continues to tell my sell my crazy, um, my crazy Imaginos uh, related book. So just two days ago, I got another hundred copies of that in uh, because I'm gearing up because the um, the uh, the follow up to that perfect water is uh, in layout right now and that is going to be really cool and I think it's going to it's my favorite thing I've ever done and I think that's going to stimulate of course some sales of flaming telepaths but yeah I got the kiss book back in I had run out of ACDC at fifty uh, speaking of shrinking the boogie um, but I've got that back in and I've got I've got more copies of the Pink Floyd and the Who uh, back in as well so uh, there you go. Um, your homework for today, just go play some really status quo. You can't go wrong with that. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.